Welcome to the Matt Report, the number one WordPress business podcast. This isn't geek speak, it's about the journey of success and failure as a WordPress entrepreneur. Get ready, you're just an episode away from your next aha experience or big idea. And now your host, Matt. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Matt Report. Uh, i got a tremendous episode for you today. I'm sitting down with Ethan Marcotte. Uh, he's a web designer, developer, uh, speaker, author, uh, most notably uh, about responsive web design, right? And he's not your typical uh, WordPress guy uh, or gal. He is somebody who is just, you know, freelance web designer um, and looking more about it from the, the responsive technologies, the mobile platform, that kind of thing. Uh, and we're going to sit down and chat today about, you know, sort of his experience in that realm, uh, dealing with some of these clients who are, you know, really looking to invest in in these technologies, not just, you know, your typical pizza shop who's looking to get a mobile site, but folks who really need uh, to invest in user interface. And I think you're going to, you're going to learn a lot from this. Um, he's definitely got some great insights. Um, and we're also going to talk about marketing yourself, right? And sort of how he got to that stage um, by speaking, by writing, by blogging, um, you know, by, uh, you know, author, being an, uh, a guest author uh, on uh, a book apart and a list apart <clears throat> and getting connected with those folks. So we're going to chat about that. He's also going to stick around for those uh, Matt Report Pro members um, and give us uh, some of his insight to charging a few more bucks, uh, finding more clients and all that good stuff. Uh, as always, uh, appreciate all the uh, five-star reviews that I'm getting on iTunes. Uh, you know, if if you're really finding this useful, please, uh, I'd love it for you to, to go ahead and, and give that a good rating, share it with your friends, that kind of thing. Uh, mattreport.com slash subscribe, join the mailing list so you know when all this great stuff comes out. Uh, and mattreport.com slash join. Um, and you can learn more about the pro membership uh, that uh, has has launched uh, and underway. Um, and we're doing great things uh, with the community and helping folks uh, be a little bit better at their WordPress business or web design business in this case. So thanks for tuning in. And without further ado, let's talk to Ethan. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another amazing episode of The Matt Report. Uh, super, super excited uh, to be joined today by Ethan Marcotte. Ethan, welcome to the program. Matt, thanks for having me, man. It's great to be here. Uh, so, fellow fellow Bostonian, uh, fellow friend of WordPress, uh, we were chatting before the show and trying to figure out uh, how we introduce you. And, you know, of course, I, I dropped the line like responsive to web developer God or something to the effect. Right. Uh, but uh, <laughs> give folks the, uh, the two, minute, two minute elevator pitch, who you are, what you do. Yeah, well, as soon as I figure it out, I'll definitely let you know. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm an independent designer based uh, based in Cambridge, Mass, just outside of Boston, um, and uh, I guess I'm probably best known for coining that term responsive design a couple years back in an article for List Apart, um, and then I wrote a book on the topic uh, a little bit later for Book Apart, <clears throat> same title, and uh, I do a healthy amount of consulting for people that are just trying to figure out their their design strategy beyond the desktop, so trying to figure out you know what kind of multi-device design and business strategy they might need, you know, how they could actually adopt responsive design internally and, you know, what that means for them and their business. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So it sounds like it's uh, quite the, quite the experience, quite the, um, quite the journey you've been, been on. A lot of the folks listening are either just starting out or they've been in it for a few years and they're like, Hey, I need to get sort of to that next, next level. Now, you're, you're writing books. You're mentioned uh, with um, some of the big names in our industry. How did you get there? I mean, what, what was your jumping <laughs> off point? 
<laughs> I really have no idea. I mean, it's uh, I've been really incredibly lucky the last couple of years. It feels really weird. You know, I just wrote this article on responsive design. I, I swear it's it's perpetually surprising and terrifying to me that people are so excited about it. Um, you know, I just it was a it was an assignment. You know, just write something down. I'm kind of passionate about. I gave it a name, and then it just kind of resonated with folks um, on you know a level I wasn't really prepared for. Mm. Um, but I've been more or less independent for the past uh, eight or nine years uh, with a couple studio gigs, kind of breaking that up uh, here and there. Um, and but you know I've just been really fortunate to kind of have interesting problems come my way, and a lot of that's kind of informed the way I think about the web. So responsive design sort of grew out grew out of some you know mobile specific projects, and just sort of trying to think of the if there's a way that we could be designing a little bit more flexibly. Mm. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, like I said, that kind of resonated with a lot of folks. So I've had the opportunity to work with people like the Boston Globe back in 2010. Um, you know, People Magazine last year. So it's it's been a it's been a really great trip. Yeah, I don't want to um, trivialize your your accomplishments, but a lot of folks. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> a lot of the folks are looking at that. How does he do that? Right? How how does he land a job or a gig with uh, you know? these magazines or these media outlets when they're still trying to like dig their way out of, you know, their mom's referral of a, you know, a pet parlor down the, down the street. You know, how, how, any advice to, to getting to that next level? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, in both of those, you know, the globe and people magazine, I mean, they didn't, um, you know, they were, I was pulled onto those teams basically by, you know, some, some local friend, local to the client friends and resources. So, you know, my client on the Boston globe website was a firm here in Boston called filament group. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, People Magazine was run by the shop Global Moxie out of Brooklyn. Um, so I think in both of those cases, you know, it had been kind of a direct result of my writing. Mm. Um, you know, the Boston Globe was basically, you know, because Filament Group was so excited about responsive design from my articles. So, um, you know, it was kind of fortunate there. Um, but the one thing I, I tell a lot of people in I kind of feel like even if you're at the beginning of a journey, you know, just getting in, you know, getting your start in a, this industry, I really feel like writing about that is is incredibly critical. Like even if you don't have like the next big thing or or what have you, like I really feel like just blogging about like what you've learned about web design or web development or whatever, um, it's a really great way to sort of like build up a body of work to sort of like chart your evolution, but also connect with other people who might be having some of the same questions. So that's that's how it's played out for me. I mean. Um, I've been fortunate and then I haven't had to do a lot of like actual marketing recently, but, Mm. um, you know, just having, having a place online where you can actually share some of your experiences is, I think it's one of those things that at least for me, it doesn't seem like a lot of people talk about. Yeah. So, yeah, as a lot of the folks, um, a lot of the entrepreneurs that I'm interviewing, they're directly relating their success to just sort of either (laughs) simply blogging about what it is that they're doing and, and, and the different things that they've encountered, um, you know, all the way to either just doing it on like a, uh, like a holistic journal or just, Hey, I learned what, you know, CSS three was today. <laughs> and, uh, this, <laughs> yeah, is, totally. this is what it does. Um, and they found their different avenues. I mean, one might find Boston globe, one might find just a, another client that way, but it's still mm-hmm. beneficial. A- anything that folks should be, um, so a lot of folks that, that tune in say, yeah, I, I really want to blog. I don't know what to blog about. I mean, obviously you just answered that, but a lot of people have that fear. Of, yeah. of putting their words out there. Uh, I know I do. Uh, and folks say, it's, it's funny because uh, I was just reading an email from somebody that the other, the other day. It was like, oh, you, you use gets instead of get in your blog post. And I was like, okay, great. 
Like I don't, you know, it, it doesn't bother me. Like I, sure. I, I know I'm not the best writer in the world, but I still do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, any any advice for folks uh, like me or and th- that that well, are listening? Well, I mean, yeah, it's 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 one of those things I continually struggle with. I mean, I've got, you know, to be fair, I've got like this abysmal blogging record of the last year or so. Just, I mean, I've been you know pretty busy with other projects, and it's been hard to find the time for writing. Um, but you know, when I was writing more regularly, and even now that I'm sort of like warming back up again, it's it's there's always that sort of like voice inside that says somebody else must have covered this. Somebody else has right. already discussed this topic. They've covered everything possible that's out there. Um, it, it's it's hard to kind of look past that. You know, it's like our default position is imposter syndrome, mm. right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think it's just really important to say that for me, I've found that if I'm asking myself those questions. Even if somebody else has talked about them, there chances are there are people that have missed that other more authoritative post. They probably got the same questions that I do, um, and I, I think that's that's been helpful for me pushing past. It's like here's this thing that maybe it's you know maybe somebody else has covered it already, but it was helpful to me, so I'm putting it out there in case it's helpful to somebody else. It's like you don't have to stake new ground all the time. It's mm-hmm. it's really about like you know sharing your experiences, whether or not they're completely new. I think is totally irrelevant. It's really just you know. Here, if you had a question answered, you know, publish it, get it out there, and uh, you know, try to help somebody else find it. Yeah, absolutely. Does is it safe to say that uh, this all this blogging stuff sort of, <laughs> sort of compounds into the um, you know the the book deals and and at least the the seed to create to 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 write a book? Um, and how important is it, is it to write a book in in this day and age to to be a thought leader? Uh, well, I, I don't know if I'm anything remotely close to a thought leader. I mean, my, my Twitter account is basically GIFs all the time. So uh, <laughs> um, I, I think a lot of the good things that have come to me in my career have come out of blogging, directly out of blogging. I mean, that could be client work. That could be speaking engagements, which led to more client work. Um, but it's really about opening me up to other avenues where I can connect with other people, you know, whether that's over email or what, and just... Um, you know, good things kind of come out of that, really. I mean, you know, back when I was really furiously blogging, like right at the start of my career, it was it was a great way to sort of connect with other people who were writing about, you know, this new CSS thing we were all kind of excited about. Um, and that led to, you know, being invited to speak at certain conferences or maybe collaborate on a fun project that then, you know, helps get you better noticed. Mm. I mean, I, I got excited about web design when I found Jeffrey Zeldman's blog back in, 2000, 2001, and he wasn't writing exclusively about CSS. He was writing about, like, the first thing I read from him was he was invited to speak at some conference in, I think it was Turkey. Mm. He never really traveled abroad extensively. And it was this beautiful essay. And then I find out this guy's really excited about, like, HTML and CSS on top of that. And it's like, I want to be able to write with that kind of passion yeah. about what I do. Um, and I've, I kind of feel like most of the best connections that I've had have really come out of that, like, you know, meeting other people online, and yeah. that's most of that's come out of my writing. Yeah, so yeah, it, it is tremendous advice. There's, I mean, there's so many ways to to like do social networking. It's not mm-hmm. just like Facebook, and it's certainly not just Twitter. It's yeah. like this. It's this collaborative effort of of publishing your own content, be it an animated GIF or be it a, <laughs> you know a five thousand word blog post. Um, that all kind of culminates together and, and finds finds people uh, along the way, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, Let's turn to the technology side, or actually, before we get to that, let's um, let's talk about sort of design, right? And and sort of the folks listening, um, they're either out there, you know, reselling 
WordPress services, be it you know other themes and, and plugins, um, or they're designers themselves and they're and they're designing your typical uh, either you know brochureware site or uh, or marketing site for for their clients. How important, in your point of view, and I think I already know the answer, <laughs> is uh, well-crafted design, and 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 how much effort should people be putting into this stuff? Yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, I don't really. Um, you know, I, I spoke at WordCamp, you know, uh, sharing the docket with you a couple yep. couple of weeks ago now, and I've, I've been sort of away from the WordPress community a little bit over the last couple of years. My first blog was, you know, my first actual blog, I guess, was on WordPress, and uh, um, that's kind of how I got my start writing online. Um, but, yeah, I think it's it's interesting. I mean, like, so much of my work really comes out of, you know, spending the time thinking about an interface and how it's going to you know, best serve the needs of either the content or the application or whatever functionality is kind of sitting beside it. So, um, you know, in terms of like just thinking about it as some more like off the shelf thing, that's that's not something I have a ton of experience with. Mm -hmm. um, I, I will say that, you know, I've found like third party tools are incredibly helpful for my work. Like, um, you know, CSS frameworks, for example, I'll use for like prototyping, like sketching out ideas really quickly that are kind of disposable. but I think there's always going to be a need for, you know, really carefully considered design, mm. you know, at the end of the day. I mean, I think the, the best products and services I use that have, um, you know, any amount of care in their interface, I think, are just valuable to me. I mean, even, you know, Twitter, for example, I mean, they're, they're designing on a scale that's, uh, and, and Facebook, which I do not use. But, you know, I mean, these are, these are services that are designing on a scale that I've never really had to experience before. And, right. Even if I don't agree with all their decisions, you can still see some some thinking and process behind them. And uh, I think for me, that's a that's a sign of a really beautiful interface, frankly. Yeah. So you are uh, you know obviously well versed in sort of you know talking about these things at, at this scale. You know, uh, it, you, you know user interface, um, user function, user experience, that kind of thing. Um, some of the folks listening are still trying to get you know the local pizza shop. Uh, to invest in a responsive design, right, for their website. Sure, sure. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on on how people can sort of help, you know, um, pitch the idea of mm -hmm. better interface, but at a very layman's way, <laughs> if, if, yeah. if that's possible? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think that, um, I mean, at, at the end of the day, anything you can do to optimize for mobile, for example, um, is going to, have some massive dividends paid paid off for your business. Um, so whether it's a, a responsive site or something more device specific, I think that's that's a separate discussion. But um, I mean, for me, the most successful conversations I've had about responsive design didn't really necessarily touch on responsive design at all. It's just like this is how we build websites now, um, or in my practice anyway. This is how I you know think about designing for the web. So it's not really about building separately for every new device class that we're designing for, like mobile, tablet, and desktop. It's really like, all right, here's your website, and also it's just going to kind of work on <laughs> online. Right. Um, so if, if there are budget constraints or if you're having trouble sort of doing like an upsell on, you know, responsive design, there are probably some, you know, off-the-shelf frameworks that can probably make it more affordable for you and your clients um, to kind of design and implement. I mean, there are some great CSS frameworks out there. I mean, Twitter Bootstraps made some great inroads in um, making responsive uh, pattern libraries a lot more accessible. Uh, Foundation by Zurb um, is a really great CSS framework. Um, 
and I know WordPress has got some great responsive themes as well. So, mm. um, you know, if you're if you're just thinking about the design process for your clients as this is just going to adapt from the outset, you can build that in, maybe build that into your costs initially. Then, um, you know, I don't think it necessarily needs to be a separate discussion. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, on the other side of the equation too, I mean, like I said, you know, when I'm doing design reviews with clients, more and more it doesn't really involve like projecting the site up on a screen or just like emailing them comps. It's really about like you know, load this up on your phone, like actually showing them live code, even if it's just like a rough prototype of what the, what this page is going to do, like having the, de having the design in their hand on a small screen really is, I think, kind of powerful in mm -hmm. a lot of ways. So that's, that's been pretty effective for me. Yeah. Um, are, are these conversations that you're having with sort of the bigger clients and talking about technology, are they more, uh, versed in this stuff? Are they more apt to say, okay, yeah, I get it, let's do it? Or is there some some uh, kickback as, you know, the person who might not even know what, you know, responsive is still trying to understand this stuff? Like when you're out there in those meetings, is it just as difficult? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, sort of, not not quite in that way. I mean, I think that, um, you know, in most of the client conversations I've been fortunate enough to be in, you know, they, they sort of understand that at least there's a benefit to a responsive approach for their for their business. I think that one of the one of the threads I see pop up in a lot of not just discussions I'm in, but you know, just kind of generally online is um, you know, there's still a little bit of like old conceptual thinking that if I'm on a mobile device, I want to do less. You know, that I can't do as much as if I'm sitting down at a desktop. Um, uh, you know, so that we, we we should be delivering less content, less functionality to mobile devices. Um, and so that's that's kind of challenging because you know our audiences are becoming predominantly more mobile. That's you know, we're still seeing massive growth on these small handheld devices, especially from developing economies, which is um, something I'm kind of really interested in designing for right now. But, mm. you know, so it's 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 um, it's really a matter of getting them in the mindset that we should start thinking mobile first from the outset, you know, to go to Luke Robluski's phrase and just, you know, start with that small screen and just use that to kind of like focus our interface and focus our content down to what's absolutely critical. But then we can sort of, if we're thinking responsibly, we can sort of scale up from there. We can basically slim down up first, streamline the approach, you know, by using mobile as kind of like an acid test, mm -hmm. and then use that to kind of build consensus um, and kind of improve the experience across the board for all devices that might be accessing the website. So, mm. the um, on the mobile side of things and mm -hmm. and WordPress, uh, when they combine, wh what do you think the biggest opportunity is for WordPress as a technology or as a platform, um, what's their biggest uh, thing that they can be hitting upon in mobile uh, right now to really push themselves through? Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, my experience with WordPress over the last couple of years has been uh, kind of slight, but um, I think there's a massive opportunities for um, lots of folks, especially WordPress, you know, especially in like these developing markets that I mentioned before. I mean, you know, we're seeing, um, you know, like Southeast Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa, like these are two dramatically like mobile only ecosystems but they're seeing massive data usage you know that basically there's some stats being thrown around right now that suggest that the um, developing markets are basically overtaking the mobile data traffic from the developed world quote unquote um, this year mm. you know so that basically like predominantly most of the internet is effectively like you know moving further and further away from the west so you know that brings up a lot of really interesting questions about like how can we ensure that our um, 
you know, 60% of the world's population is kind of estimated to be on sub 3G networks. Like, what can we be doing to make our designs and our interfaces more lightweight, more nimble, more um, more sustainable, I guess? Mm. Um, and that's kind of what I'm really interested in right now. Like, we, we've, we've spent a lot of time designing these really beautiful interfaces that are um, incredibly riveting, but they're also a little bit heavy. And they might not be prepared for web that's getting a little bit cheaper, a little bit slower, but much more broadly accessed. Mm. So, you know, how does that change the way we think about presenting information online, changing the way we think about uh, aesthetics online? Anyway, that's that's uh, that's my soapbox, but that's kind of what I'm excited about right now. And I think WordPress, given how broadly it's used globally, has a massive opportunity there. Right. So you mean, like, not... Let's not load every site up with like parallax.js. <laughs> Let, let's yeah. do something a lot more lightweight. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, so like responsive design initially was so focused on layout, but now we have like this this other layer to think about, which is, you know, how can we provide this compelling experience for all size screens, but, you know, on networks of varying capabilities and speeds? I mean, bandwidth is a difficult thing to, you know, really design for, but maybe we just need to do a better job about thinking about performance from the outset and just kind of lightening our footprint mm. a little bit so uh short of the actual like design and ui is there any tech uh technology in this open web that sort of helps with this either bandwidth savings some kind mm -hmm. of like uh you know any, any recommendations from your end on that side of it two things i mean and i'm no performance expert in general but i mean two things that have been incredibly helpful for me in my work uh, one is this notion of setting a performance budget at the start of a project um so that you know whether it's like saying the pages aren't going to ever exceed a certain file size or they're going to load in a certain number of seconds over a specific network type, like having that at the outset, at the outset of a project rather than just when you start coding, um, it's a really great way to kind of focus the, the entire process. So, um, you know, every time you think about adding a new feature, a new design element, like you're always kind of measuring that against that budget that you set at the outset. And if it's going to negatively impact the user experience, um, then it's worth having a discussion about how valuable it's going to be. Mm. Um, because there's all this data out there about how, you know, page load times directly impact, you know, bounce rates, conversion rates, you know, um, you know, if it doesn't, there's a saying floating around that if a page doesn't load in a second, it's effectively broken for your business. Um, <laughs> that's kind of extreme, but having a performance budget can really help with that. Um, but the other thing that I think is most critical is this whole idea of like progressive enhancement where we're sort of assuming we're designing for all web enabled devices, not just sort of the latest and greatest and ensuring that um, regardless of the capabilities of the browser, they can still access our content, even though the experience may not be quite as advanced. Um, and so this is, I mean, this is what the BBC are doing, the Guardian, they're doing these massive responsive sites, but they're all basically like, Loading as little code as possible, just enough to sort of see if your browser is advanced enough, and then they sort of inject more into the page to give you that that more robust experience. Mm -hmm. um, and that that just basically helps you manage a ton of complexity in the marketplace. I mean, we're designing for so many devices right now, so thinking broadly in terms of just quality of the experience, like these different experience tiers, um, is really helpful. Mm -hmm. So. 
I'm going to get all uh, conspiracy theorist on you. Um, Bring it. <laughs> I've got this crazy notion that, uh, you know, in X amount of years, we're not going to have the web sites that we see now. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of it will be fed through just data because uh, we are going to be looking at this data. We're going to be looking at our browsers as we know them now, either through glasses, on our refrigerators, in our cars, on our watches. <laughs> like it's, The screens yeah. and data will be everywhere. How can we... You know, right now it's like, hey, it's fairly easy. It's like 27-inch iMac all the way down to a four-inch iPhone, and mm-hmm. let's make a let's make a UI that fits in that. Well, what happens when it's on your TV and, and your refrigerator and your watch? And now all Google cares about is your data that's on this mm-hmm. website. Um, any crazy thoughts like that coming from you, or is it just, <laughs> or, or, or is it just me? No, no. I mean, I, the the web has never been just about browsers anyway, right? I mean, it's not just HTML and CSS. It's the services and APIs behind our content. And uh, I think there's a lot of really great work being done right now to kind of help us lay the foundation for that that internet of things, you know, that we're sort of planning for. Um, uh, Karen McGrain's book on mobile content strategies is a really great way of um, sort of thinking about your content, your information in this more sort of adaptive mindset. So, you know, what, for many responsive sites, you might be thinking mostly about like, and I think you should be designing for like content and feature parity whenever possible. There might be instances where, hey, I'm going to be providing a feed just to that internet-enabled fridge that you're going to be buying soon, Matt. Uh, you know, thinking more about your content is divorced from your interface and divorced from you know your HTML and CSS and preparing it to live in more places. Mm. I think is pretty important. Um, so yeah, I don't think the web's going to be going away anywhere anytime soon, but I think that it, it is. I think you're right going to be accessed from more and more places and more and more contexts and uh we need to be planning for that okay awesome um let's spin it back real quick to uh publishing with wordpress because there was one topic i wanted to talk about Mm -hmm. uh and specifically with publishing on wordpress um you know we we you you noted about hey the the front end should be lightweight and you know bandwidth saving. Um, you know is the next step maybe to slim things down like we're seeing with like with Ghost if you're familiar with that, mm. um, where the actual publishing part of it the behind the scenes the back end is super lightweight as well right. So these folks who are using small devices can publish. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that um, people look at me funny because I actually wrote most of my over. A large part of my book on my phone. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, not like the entire thing, but like I did a significant amount of editing and rewriting on my phone, and a lot of that is basically just like um, wanting to be offline or wanting to be able to, you know, jot down a thought or revise a couple paragraphs when I'm sitting on a subway uh, heading into Boston, and that always takes forever. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I think that. Yeah, editing I think definitely needs to move beyond the desktop like a lot of our interfaces have been. But, you know, I think that definitely encompasses like more lightweight designs, maybe um, uh, more simplified interfaces, but at the same time still giving them all the features and functionality that they expect to write. Um, and some of that includes designing for offline as well, right? Like we still we still have this mindset, I think, you know, just generally speaking about, um, you know, that we're always going to have a persistent connection to the web. Mm. Uh, and putting aside like mobile versus desktop, I mean, the size of the screen doesn't really come into it. I think like there's there's plenty of opportunities for us to start thinking about for planning for, you know, that dropped connection regardless of the size of the screen. Yeah. Um, so I think there are a lot of really exciting opportunities there. What's your uh, what are you using for a phone? What's your tech choice? 
Oh, I'm still uh, I'm slumming it, quote unquote, on the iPhone 4S. I mean, <laughs> slumming uh, it. Yeah, no, it's 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 a great phone, and you know, I'll probably upgrade at some point. But um, yeah, that's that's my main uh, main thing right now. Uh, any any exciting? Uh, are you going to get one of the new iPads, the iPad Airs, or anything like that? Nah, no, I'm probably going to wait a little bit. I mean, I've I've got an iPad Mini that um, my wife surprised me with last year, and it's it's like this thing is I don't know, it feels like the future to me. Like, it, <laughs> I mean, uh, the Retinas look great, but I, I think at least right now, like, um, it's the perfect size. I can do a lot of writing on it, reading, and um, it's it's probably my favorite computing device right now. Very nice. What are these? And to sort of wrap up the more formal interview. Um, what are these bigger outfits looking at as far as investing in mobile technology today? Is it still responsive? Is there opportunity somewhere else that um, sort of the folks on the ground haven't seen yet mm. uh, that sort of the bigger organizations are are moving into? Uh, I mean, like I said, I mean, most of the conversations I've been part of, like there's still a lot of excitement around responsive design. Um, but I, the one thing that kind of recurs, again, both in client meetings but also online is that you know, there's you sort of have to make a trade-off between responsive design and like maybe a more customized execution for like a specific kind of device, or or you know you have to choose between responsive design and native applications or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and that that to me has always felt like a weird like uh, weird false choice. Like you you can definitely have both. Like one doesn't necessarily exclude the other um, any more than like having a mobile site back in the day would exclude you from having a really great native application if there's a there's a benefit to your audience and to your business to have a compelling experience just for one specific context. That's great. But um, for me and for a lot of my clients, it's really about like designing for that broad cross-device access first and then look for really interesting areas where you can sort of like deliver a compelling experience to a specific segment of your market. Yeah. Um, is, it, are you, is it fair to say that um, like a native... Uh, HTML5 app is going to have a different use case, over, or I shouldn't say native, I should say HTML5 app over a native like iOS app. Are, are you, when folks are talking to you about that, are you saying, well, it's two different use cases. Like we'll make an HTML5 app experience for you um, because it's faster, leaner, mm. more affordable, that kind of thing. Well, yeah, it doesn't always come down to questions of cost. I mean, some of it's around, you know, features and functionality. I mean, mm. so... You know, we're starting to get more tools in the browser that allow us to access certain things than the, you know, native to a device, like, you know, uh, device, uh, you know, accessing the camera, for example, uh, you know, GPS. Um, hopefully soon we're going to get better access to network information, you know, in the next couple of years so we understand how much bandwidth is available. But at least right now, there's a lot of um, functionality that's really only kind of accessible if it's a, you know, native on the device application. So. It's really kind of figuring out what they hope to achieve with the application and then sort of pick the best tool to execute on that strategy. Nice. Um, yeah. Nice. Uh, well, I'm gonna, that's going to be a wrap of the more formal uh, interview. Uh, tons of great knowledge being dropped uh, for, the, for the designers and young entrepreneurs out there. And I'll jump into the last two segments here. Uh, what's in your toolbox? Uh, what, what special app or you know, a secret piece of hardware do you use on a daily basis uh, to get you through the day is something like an Evernote, but maybe something that's not as known uh, oh, man. to the world. Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I, uh, I mean, other than like the design tools I use on a daily basis, I think um, you know one of the one of the things I use most. Uh, well, two two things that I use most are two uh, two editors. Um, 
One is this uh, this web app called Editorially that I, I do some light advising for, but I mean, it's a, it's a markdown-driven editor that can publish out to a bunch of different areas, but it's a really great way to kind of like do long-form writing, but also um, collaborate with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really critical for me. And then um, I've been an old-school uh, simple note user for ages, um, yes. you know, and that's that's invaluable to me. And the main reason I, I use that still instead of editorially is just like it's great for offline writing. Um, so I think once they sort of beef up their offline capabilities, I'll probably drop it. But um, it, at least right now, it's that's those two things are critical for me. Um, let's jump into the lightning round. I ask you a series of quick questions, and you will have a series of quick answers. <laughs> <All right. laughs> if you're ready. Um, the number one WordPress plugin that you cannot live without. Oh man, uh, I'm gonna have to pass. <laughs> Sorry, I just I seriously haven't touched WordPress in years. Uh, I'm a bad person. <laughs> um, what? Well, real quick, what? Which platform are you publishing on? Uh, I'm currently on Expression Engine, but I think I'm going to be moving on to uh, something like Jekyll pretty soon, just for like flat file, you know, no data, no database publishing. Um, nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite business book? Uh, my favorite business book, um, well, frankly, I think, um, man, I don't think I've read too many business books. I mean, one of the, one of the most important like design books I've read is probably, um, uh, how buildings learn by Stuart brand, which has nothing to do with web design, but it's all about, you know, web design sort of indirectly. Uh, so it's a, it's a great book. I can't recommend it enough to people. Nice. Uh, what's a quote that you live or run your business by? Jeffrey Zeldman once said uh, that most of the success he had in business was basically showing up on time and being nice to people. Um, and I like those two things have been incredibly true for me. So um, nice. I don't know where he got it, but it's, it's great for me. Nice. Uh, what's the best uh, business or career advice you ever received? <laughs> Same answer. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's the longest a client project has ever taken? The longest client project... Uh, 10 months. Ah, not bad. Yeah. I think five years is the running, the running, uh, wow. leader. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you had to switch to another CMS, what would it be? I think you already answered that. Uh, Jekyll and is there any other Jekyll, one? but WordPress is also looking fine. Seriously. Um, I've been seeing some really great stuff come out of the community. It's, it's pretty cool. Nice. Is there one thing while I have you on the hot seat? Is there one thing that, Hey, if they just did it, you would jump to it. Oh, WordPress? No, yeah. I, mean, no I think it's, um, I mean, I, I moved on to Expression Engine just because of like, uh, you know, I, I liked a lot of the features around um, a lot more functionality around like templating and, you know, really kind of customizing the design a bit more. Um, uh, so, I mean, like I said, I was just, I've just been more or less on the sidelines, you know, sort of watching WordPress kind of get more and more responsive. And a lot of the stuff I've been seeing is actually fantastic. So, um nice. You know, I don't really shop around for CMSs too frequently, so <laughs> nice. I'll have to check it out. Uh, what's the one question I didn't ask you that I should have? What's your favorite GIF? <laughs> <laughs> which, which one is it? Oh, man. Uh, well, I, so I run this site called Bucket, B-U-K-K-I-T dot I-T, and... Uh, uh, it's basically just a repository of stupid images. Uh, one of the favorite ones in there is called caked, C-A-K-E-D dot GIF, and it's this massive seven meg thing. And it gets, it, it just, every time I watch it, I see something new in there, and it's just weird and disturbing. Um, <laughs> it's, it's also hilarious. So. <laughs> that is pretty funny. I just looked at it. Uh, 
Well, Ethan, it's been a tremendous uh, episode. There's so much uh, great advice here for folks who are just starting out as designers or folks that are already thinking about, hey, how do I uh, improve someone's user interface and start thinking about the, sort of these global issues. So I, I can't thank you enough for, for joining the show and sharing that advice. Nah, uh, it was a real honor, man. Thanks for having me. Where can folks find you on the web to say thanks? Uh, my uh, domain is ethanmarcott.com or Unstoppable Robot Ninja if you want to read my blog. Um, and I'm on Twitter as Beep or RWD if you're interested just in responsive design. Awesome. Uh, everybody, check them out. Say thanks. And mattreport.com slash subscribe. Join the mailing list. And we'll see you next time.